Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Friends, you can email me your questions, your thoughts, your opinions, your yes, even your adoration and praise will be accepted here. The email address, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. And there's a couple things I want to get to today. I want to talk a little bit um, about the minimum wage, which may be making its way into the stimulus package, may not be. Um, That is something that's, I guess, still kind of up in the air here a little bit, although I think it might actually find its way into there. Um, Earlier reports were that it was not going to be. Now it's going to be the minimum wage increase to $15 an hour um, over the next uh, next several years, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Governor Cuomo, New York, his aide. There's an aide to his uh, office who's now admitting that they hid nursing home data, the number of nursing home deaths in the state of New York. We have an interview with Matt Lamb of the College Fix. He comes on here. Uh, once a month to kind of tell us what's happening on college campuses around this great nation, things that are happening in the world of education. And so we'll uh, we'll share a conversation with him uh, in the next segment. And I also want to talk a little bit about this national anthem thing with uh, – so we got a lot to get to this morning with the uh, the Dallas Mavericks NBA and Mark Cuban. So let's start with that really quickly. You may have seen over the past few days that Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, Dallas Mavericks, an NBA basketball team, uh, decided, or I guess they'd stopped playing the national anthem at home games. And so they um, they announced this, or this was made known. Someone tweeted something. I don't know. This became public knowledge. NBA said, "Wait a minute. That's not the way. Uh, that's not the way this is supposed to work. In fact, you're supposed to play the national anthem. It's it's a tradition here in the NBA. And so um, Mark Cuban." relinquishes and, and decides to play play the national anthem here before the game. Mark Cuban has a, a statement as well that I want to read. I want to read this this statement, which to me illustrates so much of what's wrong. You know, I, I I used to really like Mark Cuban. I did years ago. And I mean I don't this isn't personal. Don't misunderstand me. Um, he has ties to Indiana. He got a degree from Indiana University in Bloomington. 
which is not far from where I am, not far from where many of you are listening to this program. Um, but he's gotten a little crazy. Let me just read you this statement. This is just a bizarre way of thinking and saying things. But I want to read you Mark Cuban's statement. It was tweeted out um, a couple of days ago by some for, uh, folks in primarily sports uh, media, I guess. This is what he says. We respect and always have respected the passion people have for the anthem and our country. Okay. We also loudly hear the voices of those who feel that the anthem does not represent them. Okay. We feel that their voices need to be respected and heard. Okay. So I guess he's referring here to the people who don't think the anthem respects them. So in order to reflect and respect their voices, make sure their voices are heard. I guess in Mark Cuban's mind, the only logical thing to do is to stop playing the anthem that does not uh, respect or that that they don't think reflects them or represents them. Um, We feel their voices need to be respected and heard because they have not been. Because they have not been. Um, They have not been. Folks, we have been talking, not just here, this nation has been talking about the national anthem and kneeling and all the stuff that is, you know, the supposedly the kneeling was about with police brutality against uh, and violence and even, you know, the the using violent, deadly violent force against unarmed black men in this nation. We've been talking about this a lot. Now, I don't know what Mark Cuban's talking about here, saying that they have. These voices have not been heard. You could say not respected. I mean, I guess I guess uh, some people don't respect the kneeling of the. Are we supposed to respect the kneeling of the anth- at the national anthem? I'll say this: when Kaepernick did it back in whatever year that was, two thousand and whatever, fifteen, sixteen, I don't even remember. Um, he was. We were talking about whether or not. You know, this was a good thing, whether or not the NFL should allow its players to do this. That's not, of course, that is different than the government telling you not to do it. Although some folks have conflated those those issues. Now we're talking about whether you should be allowed to stand during the anthem. In fact, I remember there was cheering for a guy who stood during the anthem. I forget his name. I don't follow the NBA anymore. Um, but there was a player who didn't stand for the anthem and had a, I don't know if he tore his ACL or Achilles or something like that. And people cheered this. That's what you get for standing during the anthem. I mean, how do you say that these voices have not been heard? I mean, if you, if you want to say that they've not been agreed with in bulk by the, a chunk of, of middle America who respects law enforcement, who believes that there are certainly cases of, uh, where law enforcement officers have, uh, you know, done things they shouldn't have done, and there should be accountability for that, absolutely. But there's also cases where violence, unfortunately, was necessary due to the actions taken by the individual that was being apprehended, regardless of race, creed, ethnicity, religion, gender, anything else. But going back here to this comment, um, we feel their voices need to be. Uh, respected and heard, Cuban says, because they have not been. Going forward, our hope is that people will take the same passion they have for this issue okay, and apply the same amount of energy to listen to those who feel differently from them. 
which doesn't really make a lot of sense. I get saying, let's understand the other side. Okay, I'm, I'm all about that. I want to understand. Understanding doesn't mean that I agree. I just want to understand. I want to, I want to be able to be uh, empathetic and understanding. And if I disagree, I want to at least be able to understand what I, how I can respond so as to persuade the person who doesn't agree with me. But how do you take the passion and love for this great nation, the gratitude that you have, that overwhelming, overflowing joy and, and, and gratitude and appreciation for being able to call yourself an American and consider yourself blessed and privileged to be able to live in a place like this? How do you um, take – I mean – Take that same energy. You want that same passion and feeling listening to someone else. Those are different kind of emotional states. One is is being graceful, respectful, and trying to comprehend and, and understand. The other is an overflowing of gratitude and appreciation and love for your nation. But anyway, that's what Cuban wants us to do. Only then can we move forward. Only then. Whenever you have the same amount of passion listening to someone with whom you disagree about whatever – in this particular case, it's kneeling for the anthem. Only then, Mark Cuban says, can we move forward. I love these popular, you know, kind of meaningless phrases, move forward, whatever that's supposed to mean. That's what progressivism is, right? Moving forward, right? Progress, making progress, changing. Folks, some things don't need to be changed. When you land on truth, if you change it at all, you've actually um, – had a form of, uh, you know, instead of a positive change, you have a negative change. Not all changes is good, especially when you identify key principles and foundations that this nation was built upon. Once we find those, we should adhere to those and hold on to those and defend those with all of our might, right? The ideas of free speech, free freedom of religion, the right to keep and bear arms to protect ourselves from any enemy, whether that be a tyrannical government or someone who's trying to harm us and our family, whatever the case may be, move forward. Cuban also says, only then can we move forward and have courageous conversations that move this country forward and find what unites us. This is wouldn't surprise me at some point if Cuban runs for president. And a few years ago, I might have, you know, before he kind of got into Lunacyville here, someone's gotten a hold of him. Maybe it's his Indiana University <laughs> roots. I don't know, um, which Indiana is a conservative state overall, but not that university. So I don't know if that has something to do with it or if it's uh, just being uh, being someone who has, I don't know, just is a likes being respected in the media. I don't know the people he runs around with, but wouldn't be surprised if this guy runs for president sometime, maybe soon, who knows. But um, I want to play really quickly, and then I take a break. I want to play uh, Jen Psaki. Yes, good old Jen Psaki, Biden's press secretary, who never ceases to amaze me with some of the things that she says. She's asked about this Mark Cuban national anthem thing at uh, a press conference here a couple of days ago. I think it was on Wednesday. I want you to listen to her response. <laughs> I tell you what, listen to this response. Well, what does President Biden think about the Dallas Mavericks owner, Mark Cuban, uh, deciding to indefinitely stop playing the national anthem before his 
National Basketball Association games? Well, I, I haven't spoken with the president about the decision by Mark Cuban on the Dallas Mavericks, uh, or the I should say the national anthem, but I know he's incredibly proud to be an American and has great respect for the anthem and all that it represents, especially for our men and women serving in uniform around the world. He'd also say uh, that... Of course, that part of, the, of pride in our country means recognizing moments where we as a country haven't lived up to our highest ideals, which is uh, often uh, and at times what people are uh, speaking to um, uh, when they take action at sporting events. Uh, and it means respecting the right of people granted to them in the Constitution to peacefully protest. That's why he ran for president in the first place, um, and uh, that's what he's focused on doing every day. And then on school so Biden ran for president, I guess, because people – Need to be able to kneel for the anthem. I thought Biden, and I read about this here to make sure I got this right, but I thought Biden ran for president because Trump said he respected there were good people on both sides in Charlottesville. Isn't that the reason Biden ran for president? Now it's because people need to kneel for the anthem. Biden loves the anthem, especially for what it stands for as it pertains to men and women in, in uniform, military, law enforcement. But this nation she says here um, that pride in our country means recognizing moments where we as a country haven't lived up to our highest ideals um, I feel like we've had these conversations a lot and I kind of feel like at this point and I'm going to take a break but I kind of feel like at this point um, some folks never want to move past this until we fundamentally change this great nation right they don't they don't want to move past us until we say, look, let's throw the whole thing out. We messed up over time. Let's start off and let's start off with socialism here. Let's start off with, you know, let's, let's just fix everything in one uh, fell swoop here. Let's go ahead and, and make sure we just address everything fundamentally wrong with this great nation, including, uh, including the, the system of economics, which we know is inherently unfair, of course. Um, let's move to socialism. Let's move. Let's move away from the Constitution. They they really messed up. Let's just throw all that stuff out together and let's move. Let's move forward, as Mark Cuban would say. Let's move forward to something more progressive, as the left would say. And let's just solve all of our problems right here and now. Let's have a nation where players don't feel the need to have to kneel for the national anthem. One that they can, all Americans can be proud of. One that's not drifted from its ideals. Meanwhile, it's just. So perplexing to me. And yes, we can have that those those conversations. And no, I'm not saying America's flawless, but I am saying that it is founded upon ideas that are truly um, remarkable in the history of humanity. They changed the course of humanity because of what we did in this nation. And by adhering to those ideas, instead of following the promises and the utopian ideals espoused by the socialists and the communists, there's hundreds of millions dead. In the wake of big government communism and other forms of big government totalitarianism like fascism and so forth, people totally ignore that. They don't ignore fascism because they think they can tie it to conservatives, which is factually incorrect, by the way. But they literally ignore the deaths in communism. And there are too many to count, my friends. And I'm going to take a break. Long in this segment, when we get back, I want to play... Share with you a conversation I had with Matt Lamb, editor of the college, assistant editor of the College Fix. We'll talk about what's happening in the world of education around this great nation. Sit tight. Back here in just a minute.
Welcome back. I want to share this conversation now, shifting gears a little bit from last segment. Share a conversation we have with Matt Lamb, assistant editor of The College Fix. He comes on once a month to talk with us about what's happening in the world of education, uh, what's happening on college campuses, and different things, um, well, just surrounding education. So that being said, here's my conversation with Matt Lamb, assistant editor of The College Fix. This is The College Fix interview series brought to you by Apprentice University. If you're tired of your teen's Christian, conservative values being persecuted, visit us at Apprentice University in Brownsburg, where students gain real-life experience and confidence through unique learning and networking opportunities. Well, it is my pleasure, as it is each and every month, to have Matt Lamb, assistant editor of the College Fix, here with us to talk about some of the ah, crazy things happening in the world of education. Matt, it's a pleasure, as always, to have you. How are you today, sir? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And, you know, I always learn something when we have you on. We follow some of this stuff, uh, but you never cease to amaze me some of the other stuff that you uh, seem to uncover there at the College Fix that um, I would not have known otherwise. So I'm looking here at an article that uh, one of your one of your journalists had written entitled College Offers Racially Segregated Mental Health uh, Resources. This is at Claremont McKenna college in southern southern california so tell us what's going on here kind of paint the picture of of what this uh, what this particular educational institution is doing sure so claremont mckenna college is offering um, students uh, mental health resources but it's segregated by race um, as well as other identities so for example they sent out an they sent out an email address to black students they sent out one address to latinx students um, which, of course, most Latinos don't even use that phrase Latinx. Um, they sent out one for LGBTQ plus students, Asian Pacific Islander students, um, non specifically for white students. Um, and these are different counseling sessions, support groups, drop-in events uh, that are, you know, aimed at mental health and well-being. So as I'm looking at this and I see the guess the screen grab here of uh, what's being sent out to black students, what's being sent out to Latin X students. I think you said that there was some an email sent out to the LGBTQ plus community, but nothing for for white students. So um, are they are, are they still having can a white student book a session with these folks or I mean, how, how's that how's that set up? What, what's going on there? Yeah, I assume they could still go to the, the student health clinic or, or speak to one of these counselors. Um, what I find interesting about this is that if these students are struggling with mental health issues, probably, you know, like with lockdowns as well as the other things college students generally deal with, it would seem like a very unifying thing would be to have these open support groups, um, discussion groups. Uh, that would seem to help people of different backgrounds come together and, you know, realize that they probably have things in common in terms of how they're struggling with college and, you know, sharing different ideas of how to overcome stress and anxiety. Um, these sorts of events only really divide people because it kind of implies that, you know, black students' mental health issues are going to be completely different than, um, you know, an Asian student's mental health issues. Or that they don't care about anyone that doesn't fall into those particular particular groups if there's no proactive attempt to include them in some of the things that students may be dealing with. So you say here in the article that there's 
38% of the college is white. And you also says, uh, says here that um, there were actually deaths um, recently right. on campus. Tell us, I guess, a little bit about that. Sure. So there was uh, one suicide, um, and then there was a accidental drug overdose. Um, and certainly the use of drugs generally points to some sort of you know, mental health issue. Um, uh, so, you know, there, there was that, but there was really nothing um, about, in, as you mentioned, in the resources. I'm looking at one of the emails, and, and it's just, you know, Latinx, um, you know, black students uh, talking about gender roles and mental health, art as self-care. Um, and it, it's actually apparently been gone, going back to at least August 2020, these different drop-in workshops and counseling sessions. You would think that, again, just looking at this from a distance, it just it seems that the focus is so much on um, catering to or you know developing programs or whatever for specific groups when there's legitimate problems happening for every group of students. So to your point, I mean, it, there's there's a lot of things that students are probably struggling with pertaining to. You know, the, the classroom situation and virtual learning and being, um, you know, cut off from their friends and maybe extracurricular activities, all that sort of stuff. And it seems like all the attention here is focused on, um, fo- you know, focusing on things that for specific groups, groups of students. What do you think drives this, Matt? Why, why are we at this point? Why are we talking about this? Why, why is this an issue on campuses? Yeah, I think it gets to the kind of broader problem of what's popular recently is, of course, talking about anti-racism and group identities. And this is a good example of there is a noble goal of reaching students with mental health resources, um, reaching students who need help with counseling. That's that's a great goal. It's really important. Um, but it, it gets infected with sort of this political ideology of we need to separate you know, we need to separate everyone by race or their uh, identity as, you know, gay or transgender. Um, and I think it's the bigger problem. I think uh, the people involved in this, the higher ed administrators and mental health professionals, they're kind of bought in to this idea that we need to constantly separate everyone and we can't just look at the bigger picture of suicides on campus, anxiety, um, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, and how can we come together as a university community to support one another, to support one another in, um, you know, dealing with anxiety or stress. We have to infect it, so to speak, with um, our own, you know, racial, <clears throat> political agenda. Yeah, and to the broader point, if if there's a problem on campus for suicides or drug use or whatever it is um, – other mental health issues, then it needs to be addressed regardless of the person's race, gender, any other identifier. These are human beings of all, uh, you know, shapes, sizes, colors, and so forth. That leads me to this other story I wanted to touch on, and we don't have a ton of time, but I, I this is near you. This is Evanston, Illinois, which is a suburb in the Chicago area. Lesbian school board member, it's maybe hard to follow for someone listening to this, says she as is a victim of a homophobic hate crime, but yet she won't provide a report to police on this. Tell us what's going on here. 
Sure. So Elizabeth, uh, Lindsay Ryan is a school board member in Evanston, which is just north of Chicago. Um, she's also a diversity and inclusion consultant. And she said that she was a victim of a homophobic hate crime, that someone broke into her car, didn't steal anything, um, and just wrote a uh, homophobic slur, which you can go in and read the article if you want, you can probably kind of guess, um, on a Christmas card and left it. This school board is very progressive, very liberal. They're actually hosting like a Black Lives Matter week. I think it was last week at school. Um, they're hosting an LGBT week in April. And um, they said they keep getting death threats and they keep getting hateful emails. And the school board paints it as, you know, because they're so progressive. That's why they're getting this hate. Well, I actually asked for a police report and I did eventually get it through a public records request. I wrote a follow-up article um, about it that's also on our website where um, I go into how the police actually closed the investigation on January 20th, but the spokesperson for the district um, had, had commented to us, I think it was early February, and she never mentioned that the investigation was closed. So it, it keeps raising questions of like, what are they trying to hide? Why aren't they coming out? You know, if there's someone going around in the community legitimately breaking into someone's car and leaving hateful messages, I would think the police would want to be all over it. I would think the school board wouldn't rest until, you know, this sure. person was brought to justice. That's right. And if there is someone doing that, they need to be stopped and justice does need right. to be needs to be served. Um, these two articles that we've referenced or talked about here, I, I feel like there's a connection, even though one's a college in Southern California, the other's a, a local school board in Evanston, Illinois. But it almost seems to me that the the one the, the story that we're talking about now almost fuels the other, meaning that the reason that we have all these racial and these um, you know sexual orientation based groups is because we're constantly given stories like this that say people hate this group, so we kind of have to come together, you know, figure out how we specifically deal with the issues that are you know targeting us and so forth and and deal with that collectively do you see a connection are these things uh you know kind of bouncing off of one another fueling one another how do you see that uh sure i mean i mean there, there, that's definitely a possibility um it's definitely worth viewing it in a paradigm in some ways i wonder almost if a university offers you know a specific race-based uh mental health group to somehow support the idea that, you know, people of that color, people of that gender identity, um, you know, need extra help. So I sometimes wonder if it is a kind of a reinforcing, reinforcing loop. Like, well, there must be specific problems because why else would we have a, um, you know, Asian-only counseling session? Hmm. And it doesn't mean that there's not specific problems. It's just, to me, at some right. point, it's, 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 um, it just seems that, we always look through this lens of, of, you know, everybody views someone because of their race, gender, ethnic, you know, that's how we just see, you know, this is a white Christian male, this is a transgender, whatever. And we can't, you know, it's hard to bridge our gaps. It's hard to have a dialogue if we're completely separated (laughs) into these, into these groups. And I think that's on college campuses. And you know, a lot more about this than me, but it seems to be a really big problem. If you're only really, um, if if they're creating environments where you only are around those people who are as much like you as they can possibly, you know, um, create create that kind of bubble, so to speak. Do you see that as a larger problem on college campuses? Uh, 
Yeah, it, it definitely um, it definitely is a larger problem. Um, and you know, and again, to get to your point, you know, picking into someone's car regardless is wrong. Um, the fact they left a hateful message is worse, of course, um, because it you know like it's it's terrible. But um, yeah, I mean, there can definitely be this problem to see through see things through different lines. Uh, you know, I wonder if someone had just broken into a school board member's car, would they send out a special message to the community mm-hmm. like they did? Um, or is it only because there's this, you know, LGBT angle to, to what allegedly happened, even though the police closed the investigation for lack of evidence? Mm-hmm. So, Matt, if people want to read stories like this, other things that you and your team put together, how can they find that? Yeah, you can go to thecollegefix.com. Um, we do have a Facebook and Twitter, and we're looking into some of those alternative platforms as well. Um, I'd highly recommend you go to our website and subscribe to our newsletter. Um, that's the best way to make sure we can always reach you. Um, we send out an email twice a week, and that helps us get around any sort of big tech uh, censorship, which does happen to us sometimes. So I, I strongly encourage you to subscribe to our email list at thecollegefix.com, and our contact info is on there, so if you have any story ideas or tips you want to send us, definitely feel free to reach out. Oh, very good, Matt. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. That's Matt Lamb, assistant uh, editor of The College Fix. Matt, thanks a lot. We'll see you here in about a month. Yep. Thanks for having me. No problem. Welcome back. Again, thanks to Matt Lamb, assistant editor of The College Fix, for joining us and sharing some things about education, what's happening in college with us. And he joins us once a month. And I think it's important. You know, we we face these battles. Uh, we, we face this political battle in case there's someone that's uh, on team and peach and remove President Trump from office. Let me clarify by what I mean by battle so that you don't think I mean some sort of a physical fight, um, like a civil war, physical battle for control of this great nation. That's not what I mean. What I mean is, what I mean is, there is this um, ideological fight that's happening, and there's a lot of, again, using metaphors here, so don't take this literally. But there's a lot of fronts, right? Fronts meaning places where this battle is being waged. Places where this battle is being waged. So you've got education, right, where kids, students, young people are being told all sorts of things that are not oftentimes factually true. Conservative ideas are shut up. Uh, Christian principles are not allowed in the school. You're not even allowed to, in some cases, pray silently by yourself. I mean, you can't read the Bible in some places, those sorts of things. Um, happening in education. We've got the media, which we know is nothing more than the PR arm of the Democrat Party. Radical leftists, propagandists, um, they are not interested in giving you information. They're interested in manipulating or create manipulating what you think or creating a desired outcome, getting you to agree with their ideological progress, as Mark Cuban would say, move us forward. Whatever the heck that's supposed to mean. So there's media, there is education, uh, there's entertainment, right? I mean, we've got Hollywood and the radical leftists there 
who are now clamoring, I saw, for Biden to not only shut down the Keystone pipeline, but also to shut down the Dakota uh, access pipeline. Let's shut that down as well. Uh, kill some more jobs while we're at it. Um, of course, we've got entertainment in the form of the NFL, the NBA, and we've seen what they've, uh, you know, the, the stances they have taken politically over the past uh, season or whatever it's been. On and on this goes. So there's a multiple fronts to this to this battle that's happening, this ideological battle. And Matt Lamb helps us to navigate one of those, to know know what's going on. And I think it matters. It matters because, A, this is uh, what the next generation is being taught, and we have to know how to confront and deal with this. But also this is where our children often end up, right? They end up in colleges or universities or places where they're being taught this we need to know how to equip them prepare them and help them navigate this to be quite candid and that's why the program is sponsored by apprentice university because they provide students with a way uh, to get educated and prepared for a particular career path through apprentices and through some other uh you know, coursework at Apprentice University, but this allows students not to be subjected to some of that other radical garbage and nonsense that they uh, will be subjected to um, in most universities and colleges around this nation. So timeout is in order. Come back. I want to talk a little bit about this COVID relief package and the minimum wage, which is appearing to uh, find itself tucked into this legislation. Sit tight back here in back here in just a minute. my friends. So I told you I want to talk a little bit here in the remaining time that we have about this COVID relief. Again, we need more COVID relief. Um, CNBC says uh, Pelosi, that's Speaker Pelosi, gives me shivers to think that she's running the House of Representatives, but Pelosi expects COVID relief will be signed into law before unemployment programs expire. These are the key points, according to the article. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said the House hopes to pass its its coronavirus relief bill by the end of the month and see it signed into law before March 14th when key unemployment programs expire. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said the president, uh, excuse me, the impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump will not <laughs> will not delay the chamber's passage of the bill. It's amazing how that works. Nothing was up upended in Washington because of this impeachment proceeding. Everything is going exactly as planned. Um, no problems caused from this impeachment proceeding, and we're good to go, of course, uh, because the left's in control and in charge in Washington D.C. Um, House, excuse me, Schumer appeared to endorse the House proposal for stimulus check eligibility and said. He is working to include a $15 per hour minimum wage in the legislation. So I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this $15 an hour minimum wage because I find this quite telling and entertaining, if I'm being quite candid with you. This was reported by The Blaze. Report Democrats pushing $15 minimum wage have a history of paying their own workers less. So the one place that you act – this may be a newsflash to the radical left, but the one place that you actually have control 
of how much you pay employees is when you're the employer, right? The one place that you can decide, here it is. If you want, if you think the minimum wage should be $500 an hour, go for it. Pay your employees that. Go for it. If you think it should be $25 an hour or whatever you think it is, here's your chance to prove what you think it is. And I don't have to have the time to go through all of these. Um, But I want to read some of these. Read some of these. Representative Wild, Democrat. uh, The Post noted that Wild's campaign posted a job listing in March 2018 that was similar to Malinowski's. That's another representative who didn't pay $15 an hour. Along with a $500 monthly stipend, the campaign also offered housing. College credit was also an option for payment. So you can get college credit, but not uh, not $15 an hour. Representative Davids, in the final months of Davids' 2018 race to unseat GOP Representative Kevin Yoder, Democrats in Candid, uh, Kansas posted a paid fellow opening that paid between $1,500 and $2,500. That pay would work out between $9.38 per hour and $15.63 an hour. So there's a chance on the high end that this person would have made at least $15 an hour. But that was depending upon experience. I mean, you can go on and on down the list here. You, you, uh, Representative Pappas had a, uh, owns a restaurant in Manchester, New Hampshire, called the Puritan Backroom. Pappas is out there demanding a $15 minimum wage, but yet jobs listing, uh, job listings at his eatery writes, uh, the, the author here at The Blaze, offer $12.50 per hour. <laughs> so, again, this is the height of hypocrisy. And I'm always, just, just the mindset of someone that says, I want to tell you what to do, but I myself won't do it. These folks should not be allowed anywhere near governing positions or positions of authority and i've got to take a break sit tight back here in just a minute Did you know, and I've got to wrap up here quickly, did you know you can get your free Conservative Not Bitter membership card, membership party, uh, Conservative Not Bitter party membership card by signing up for our free email newsletter, which goes out every Tuesday, toddhuffshow.com slash subscribe. Be a card-carrying member of the Conservative Not Bitter party, proving to your friends that you are, in fact, Conservative Not Bitter you can get that today, toddhuffshow.com slash subscribe. Guys, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for listening. Have a great day, great weekend. See you Monday. Take care.